And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here. And on the telephone is Dr. John Vance. Hello. Well, gentlemen, uh, this feels like a repeat from last week. Uh, We did the same thing. John Vance, you're down there in Rock Tavern. It saved a whole trip up here to uh, the West Shokan studio, so I'm sure our listeners can appreciate uh, that it's a lot of wear and tear, and if we can do it this way, it helps. Um, Last week we were talking just a little bit about taxation and government, and we got into human nature a little bit. I'd like to segue into this discussion this week, um, covering some similar things, because this is such a hot topic. Uh, Last week we mentioned the notion that uh, when we see someone in society that is extremely blessed, maybe they're very smart, or highly talented builder, uh, skilled, you know, really gifted from God, and they apply themselves, they work very hard at their um, skill, and, and they develop some expertise, and they're productive, and they're prosperous. One of the best responses we should have to a person like that is to um, encourage them and not feel uh, greed in our own hearts. Just be happy for them that uh, God has blessed them. They're being prosperous. Uh, Hopefully, they uh, love Christ. Hopefully, they're tithing to a church. I'll just add that in there. (laughs) And and I think it's just... uh, it helps for a very healthy society when people who are prosperous can invest their funds the way they want to invest it, rather than having them um, stolen from them uh, by some kind of legislation that is really a um, a thievery that uh, is raised up to the level of, of law. So maybe we can go from there and keep talking about human nature this week and government and yay, even even taxes. Yeah, we we talk about the uh, the Bible talks about rejoicing with those that rejoice and weeping with those that weep. Yes. And sometimes we're more willing to weep with those that weep than we are to rejoice with those that rejoice. And I certainly think that's one of the things that we need to do. One of the things that was interesting last week, I read the, the passage in in uh, Samuel was telling them this is what's going to happen with you, with the king, that he's going to take ten percent of your produce. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, and yes. and I thought, boy, wouldn't it be nice if our governments only took ten percent of what we made now? Well, you know, I hope I'm not being too uh, too revealing here, but I I have a personal conviction, and that is if if government were to be more godly, put it that way. Yeah. Um, it would be aware of the tithe that Christians are obligated to give to uh, their Lord, and it would not it would not uh, charge us any more taxation than than the tithe, because it kind of implies that they're setting themselves up to be God uh, in this excessive taxation. But I, I'm sure that many Christians may not agree with me in that. But I'll be honest; that's where my heart lies. Well, I I, I definitely agree with you in that, in the sense that especially. In more recent years, there have been a lot of uh, talk with some of uh, segments of our government trying to eliminate the tax deduction for charitable giving. Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, just, just imagine what society would look like um, if, if uh, Christians, um, I'm just saying Christians here, they, they tithe, but they also um, invest in outreach to those less fortunate. Just think of the number of agencies that that flowed from the Christian worldview 
that are out there helping people, first responders, they're not looking for anything. They just want to help. Isn't that much more efficient than having this thing flowing down from Washington with all of its little uh, problems? I think it is. Well, I I believe, too, that... uh that there is an attempt on the part of our ruling elites to obscure uh, a distinction that we have always made, and that is that some people are responsible and moral, and some people are not. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we know that one's blessings often is tied to one's behavior. And it seems that there is an element that rejects, if you will, the structures of reality, which I believe are God-given and the way things are, and are trying to level the playing field by uh, punishing those who achieve and rewarding those who do not. And in some sense, they are rejecting basic morality and human responsibility. Yes. To give you a little story about that, too, uh, years ago, uh, I worked for Goodwill Home and Missions. I was up at Waterbrook Retreat Center, and it was during a time when there was a big talk of the homelessness And, of course, the big push was the government was going to not only have their shelters, but they were also going to have an address so that they could get welfare checks there to give these uh, homeless people an address so that they could get more of what the government was going to give. (laughs) Well, at the same time, Goodwill Home and Missions was half empty. Oh, really? And it was like, wait a second, they have beds for, for homelessness, but what? What was the difference? Well, Goodwill Home and Missions, if you were going to come in and stay there, you had to follow rules. In other words, you can't abuse drugs, you can't abuse alcohol while you're there. Mm -hmm. Well, what did these guys do? They'd rather go with the government program where the government had no accountability. Oh, yes. Rather than going with Goodwill Home and Missions that had accountability. But who helped them? Who helped the most people? Obviously, Goodwill Home and Missions, because they, they help people out of their destructive addictions. Yeah, and you guys have been in the church a long time, and, and I've, I've served in churches, and um, inevitably you you get presented with the case of, of uh, someone coming to the church in need. They need help. And um, it's touchy, but folks need to know that we just don't give out money willy-nilly with no accountability. It's hard to realize, but you don't help somebody by just giving them money. Um, you help them by um, teaching them a skill, helping them to be responsible, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not very popular. Some people will walk around and say, oh, I was just looking for a handout. I didn't know you wanted me to live responsibly. You know, by their actions, they're basically communicating that. When the government eliminates the consequences of one's lifestyle, that is, removes negative mm-hmm reinforcement mm-hmm. uh, of course it doesn't it takes away also the possibility of change pain yes. sometimes is the greatest motivator for change in one's life and you and said the pain is removes it and, yeah. and uh, if yeah. you will mollifies people uh, uh, then there is not going to be any real change and the social problems continue to get worse and worse and worse I know that's the way it is with my teeth I, I, I just don't like to go to the dentist and But when they start to pain me, when they start to bother me, uh, boy, I'll show up in his office right away. Yeah, and, your reluctance yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, is overcome with the pain. Sure, it, it, it pain is, is, uh, is, uh, as there is, is in the sports world, with uh, no pain, no gain. That's, That's it. Right. That's yeah. right. 
So uh, we need some pain, and uh, that sounds yeah, terrible, but you pain, know what I'm talking it, about. <laughs> and sometimes you need to let people hit the bottom. You, you, you don't bounce up until you hit the bottom. Yeah. And if you run in there and hold people just above the bottom before they can hit it, mm-hmm. they, they never change and they never return. Now, I see we're up against a break. So uh, today we're talking about, again, about uh, government and the human condition and taxation and all of that. So it's a very interesting discussion. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, and on the phone, Dr. John Vance. We're talking about government, and in particular, the human condition. Um, I have a quotation here that I found on the Internet that will kind of help us get talking, and it's targeting the idea that um, some people feel that when we elect a leader, um, since our financial condition in, in the United States is so dire, that's the only issue that matters. Here was the quote, um, and maybe it'll help us get going. Quote, as America flirts with permanent economic decline, certain presidential contenders, a talk of gay marriage, Charles Darwin, and religiosity, are we losing our minds, says this one person, 
While the current progressive regime is rife with overbearing economic and social agendas, the critical battle, which, if lost, would render all other battles irrelevant, is singularly economic in nature. And um, I have a problem with that quote. And so I thought maybe that would kind of get us going here in our discussion this side of the break uh, concerning the human nature and how that ties into government and decisions and finally our economic condition. Uh, I think this author is getting it reversed. And even though we've got a dire economic situation, uh, to ignore to ignore morality, uh, I think that's a dangerous path. One of the basic uh, and fundamental subjects that has to be discussed before one gets to politics uh, has to do with human nature. Uh, what is it like? Uh, how, how does one deal with human nature? Uh, and I think an understanding of what human nature is is very important, and the biblical understanding of human nature and the human being I think it's fundamental and has been in the past fundamental to our way of life and our blessing because we, we, we took a look at the human being in the same way in some sense uh, that the Scripture does. Mm-hmm. And the Scriptures teach two things about being human. Number one, that we are extraordinary uh, in creation. We are at the apex. Human beings are created in the image of God. Therefore, they possess a certain dignity that no other creature of God on earth possesses. Mm-hmm. The second thing, of course, is, uh, after one reads Psalm 8 and sees the glory of what it means to be human, then we consider what we have become through the fall. We also are sinful, and we are centered upon ourselves, and we are egocentric, if you will, through the fall. We no longer are God-centered. And it's important to realize that then if we seek our own, uh, we likewise, uh, this is called sin. And, and I think that our political uh, reality must take into consideration human nature. And the whole theological development out of this is important and has, in some sense, has been fundamental uh, to the Western way of life. Christianity mm-hmm. played a terribly important role in understanding what it means to be uh, possess this dignity, but at the same time, flawed human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was reading that quote, and it was in in an article, and uh, I I just noticed that there's a paragraph following it, and it goes along, I think, with what you're saying here, gentlemen. Um, they're making uh, an analogy here to the time of, in the German nation uh, before Adolf Hitler, and um, he's he's surmising that some of the people would have said. Let's not concern ourselves with the moral direction of the nation, but with the possibility of a permanent economic decline. And religion and government should be entirely separate. And, and so, while we would um, promote sphere sovereignty, that does not mean that morality should have no place, no part in the public debate. We're fundamentally moral human beings, and to ignore that dimension... And yeah. look at only the mm-hmm. economic is yeah. actually to destroy uh, social life in the future. Yeah, and, and that's the the key thing. You know, we are moral beings, and and that morality is best defined when when it's defined biblically and it's defined under what God gives us. I, I remember uh, sociologist Max Weber who used to always criticize the 
what did he call it? The Puritan ethic? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he wrote the pure, the book Capitalism and, and in the Puritan ethic, mm-hmm. and he totally my at least my opinion is he totally distorted it because he he in essence said what the Puritans were looking for is to make as much money, and that showed that God had blessed them. Well, he totally distorted <laughs> the Puritans. The Puritans were trying to please God as much as they could, and in the process, they made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, but they also used it. I mean, Calvin's idea was he wanted good capitalist people making lots of money so they could hire other people yes. and help other people. Yes. And, and, and that's, be generous to the poor. And that's what it was. And, and so you saw the Puritans, and under the Puritan ethics, you had growth of hospitals, you have growth of all kinds of, of relief things going on, because it's a Puritan capitalism isn't money for money's no, sake so to enrich myself, but to honor and glorify God and in, to, to, to help others. In Puritan New England, the literacy rate was higher by far than it is today. Something yeah. well over 95% oh, that's a of good people point. could read. No, they were building a society uh, through their efforts that, yeah. to the glory of God, and they believe that you ought to be able to read, you ought to be generous toward right. your neighbor, toward your church. And so, no, it was not just an egocentric... You, they knew they were sinners who need to look to God for his grace to make them generous. Yeah, and you see that even in the, the Old Testament where you have the Levitical laws of harvesting your crops. So, you yes. know, it's like uh, you don't cut the corners of your things that uh, fall down. You let the excess go. Why? It's for the poor people. And again, <laughs> understand what it is. It's not a handout to the poor people, right. but it just allows the poor people to go and grab that grain and yeah, into just it. The best sermon I ever heard in my life was preached by John Sanderson, a systematic theology professor that I had. And he preached a sermon, uh, don't pick all the grapes. <laughs> and the reason you don't pick all the grapes is out of love for God and for neighbor. Yes. You let the poor come in and have their option too, and you don't glean all the fields, you let them come in. He says this is really what love is, biblical love is. It's action. It is. It's action. That's yeah. right. And and it reminds me also of the Great Commission. Uh, you know, we read over that rather quickly, and it tells us to make disciples. It doesn't tell us to only just make converts, but right. disciples, which means training in the ways of God. I'm going back to this article also about um, uh, Hitler and that time, and, and there was a quote here that caught my eye. It says, Germany was ripe for Hitler because... Religion had been relegated to the inner man, the private life, while the civil sphere operated within its own autonomous sphere of authority. I thought that's an insightful uh, description, perhaps, of what was going on back then. And so we think all that matters, or we're tempted to think, all that matters in this upcoming election is, you know, fix our economics. All that matters is the financial. Well, that's making a, a god out of money. And we need to turn mm-hmm. to the true God, the triune God of the Scriptures, repent before Him, trust Him, start living for Him, and uh, then try to implement godly laws on the economic front as well. Yeah, this is why I think, you know, really what our government needs now. We need a wholesale change in government, but that's not going to really happen and be long-lasting unless we have another Great Awakening. Uh, that's so true. That is so true. Now, didn't you share some time ago on another plain answer that the first Great Awakening 
then just naturally led to the and revolution? It led to the American Revolution, yes, it did. And, yeah. and, and, in fact, and so the one point, famous historian says a revolution took place in the hearts of the American people before it took place in the political realm. That's, that's right, and, and one well, of the boy. Brits, I think, called it a Presbyterian revolution. <laughs> That was King George. George, yeah. Scotch-Irish Presbyterian Rebellion. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And he was right in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, today we're talking about government. We're in, t- in particular talking about the human condition. Let's get back to that human condition a little bit more. Um, as God sees you today, dear listener, as God sees you, I would like these pastors to describe how the Bible talks about how God sees you. And so could one of you fellows, maybe John, you could you could start us off. Well, Martin Luther had a wonderful quote. Uh, he saw the human being as simuliusus et peccator, sinner mm. and saint at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that is true of the Christian. Uh, one of the things about human nature is that while it possesses dignity, it is fallen, and it is through only through the grace of God in Jesus Christ that we are restored fully and completely. And uh, it is also true that any government that ignores human nature as it is constructed, that we are true moral creatures, that government is bound to commit acts of injustice in society, and you cannot have justice. Human beings are what they are. Mm -hmm. And I happen to think that there are political systems and reality that are able to take into account of what human beings really are uh, we are not just simply economic beings. We are human beings. Uh, we are moral beings. And our society and our government needs to understand and take a whole, a complete look at the human being and not just as economic entities. Mm-hmm. Good point. That's right. Yeah. I'm looking right now at Romans 13, and I know that we've referred to this also before on a previous Plain Answer program, probably several of them. But I wanted to read it again today because it's just so current, as it were. This timeless wisdom is is so applicable to us today. Romans 13, God's Word, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. It goes on. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. And let me stop here and say that that means that the way God has uh, set this up is that the ruler is supposed to know the difference between good and evil. One of the gifts that Solomon had, in the beginning anyway, was to know the difference between good and evil. He, He possessed a certain wisdom. Yeah, The uh, writer, which is Paul in this case, to the Romans, goes on and he says, Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. I think this uh, portion is both a description as well as a prescription, and our civil leaders would do very well to study this and to take this to heart. That's right, and when you look at that, especially when Paul wrote that, it was probably early Nero. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, Nero, in his early years, people don't realize, uh, many people had hopes for him being one of the better, best emperors around. Yeah, if he can go bad till the end. Yeah, and, and he, then he, he went megalomaniac, and then when you find Paul writing to Timothy towards bad Nero, you find him said, first of all, I urge prayers and supplication, intercessions <laughs> be made, and thanksgiving for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we yes. may lead a peaceful and quiet life. There it is. Amen to that. And, and yeah. godly and dignified in every way, yeah. that the government would leave us alone and let us... <laughs> <laughs> Let that's us uh, evangelize like they wanted, and I yes. think that's uh, what we, what we need to do. But it's you know it's all of God's grace. Well, in summary, I see we're at a time already for the program today. Um, we would encourage you, dear listener, to seek God, to seek the Triune God of the Scriptures, mm-hmm. who uh, enters into relationship with the people, that you become the people of God. Repent, believe the gospel. Receive Christ's forgiveness, and um, that is that really is the source for all that's good, including godly government. Mm. And um, there's many implications that flow naturally from that. Uh, John Vance, one quick comment from you, and then we'll uh, close for today. Well, our true freedom is in God, mm-hmm. and it's not only a spiritual freedom, but uh, it's interesting that when there is spiritual liberation. There is also a moral and economic liberation, and uh, our country in particular in the past has been greatly blessed because we've recognized that our freedom is in God. And I hope and pray uh, that the future will not try to negate that, as we have seen a, 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 a tendency to do so in the last some decades. Uh, we need to, once again, fix our eye upon Him from whom all authority on heaven and earth is given, and that is our true freedom. Amen to that. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and the studio has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich, on the phone, Dr. John Vance. This is a plain answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.